family. I'm your co-host father. And I'm your host son. And this is the Father-Son Generational Wealth Podcast. Where we teach you how to get the bag, invest the bag, and keep the bag long enough for your children's children to travel the world if they want. Today, we have a very special guest on the show. She owns two hair salons, one in Indianapolis, one in Atlanta, Georgia. She just recently expanded her business with licensing, licensing agreements and just overall entrepreneurial hustler, you know. She's using this technology today to revolutionize her role in the hair care industry. And I'd like to introduce Auntie Hair Coach, a.k.a. my mother, a.k.a. Tasha Davis. Hey. Entrepreneur in our family, you know what I mean? It's out here doing big things. So could you uh, introduce yourself? Hey, hey, thank you so much. I feel, honestly, I'm really honored that you guys asked me to do this. Um, so I am Tasha Davis, like you mentioned, also known as Auntie Hair Coach, also known as Auntie Hair Fairy on Instagram. And I, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm someone who had the audacity to step out on faith and go and get money on my own. And the whole idea behind it for me at the time was I kept preaching entrepreneurship to my children and I wanted to, I wanted them to do as I do, not as I say. And so I knew it was important for me to go out and show them how to get money without depending on somebody else. Yeah, that's great. That's great. And we're just, like I said, I'm glad that, honestly, I'm glad that you're our, our first guest on the show because, honestly, that you're the reason that I pursue the entrepreneurial journey that I do. You know what I mean? And I don't know if I've ever vocally said that, but, you know, that's, that is what it is, you know? So I hope I'm, I don't I'm, cry. I don't want to cry. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try to keep myself together. I, the older I get, the more emotional I get. It's weird. Like, yeah, what are these feelings? <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely get that. Uh, so, you want to just you want to just hop right into it, Isaiah? You got some questions before we start, or what you want to do? Mm, do you think they are gonna be good on? Oh yeah, oh yeah. All right, well, go ahead, go ahead. Let everybody know the handles they can follow the, the journey at, and all that where they can follow you. you know? You can follow me on Instagram at Beethoven Travel 6913. You can follow the journey of the podcast at Evo Forever. No space. All right. Let's go ahead and kick it off. Well, there is a couple questions I wanted to ask you. The first one is, what did you have to sacrifice to become an entrepreneur? That's such a that's such a loaded question. Um, so, just entrepreneurship in general requires probably more sacrifice than anybody's going to be honest enough to tell you. Um, so, I mean, of course, the very first thing is safety. Like when you go and you work for someone else um, as a W two employee, you have the safety of knowing that you're going to get this paycheck. Right? I'm going to do this work and I'm going to get this paycheck. As an entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneur, you hope <laughs> that you're going to have work and you're going to get paid, right? So um, your father will remember early in, we ate a lot of ramen noodles at the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey because I quit a very well-paying job. It was a very, very well-paying job in order to go and work for myself. So that was one of the biggest sacrifices for me. 
Um, but I think the largest sacrifice that I made was time with my family because there's nothing that can take that, that place of being present, right? So like I'm out when you're an entrepreneur, you're a hundred percent of the time you're working. There's no off time when you're an entrepreneur, you're always working. And so I think the, the bigger sacrifice for me besides the safety of having a, a, cons, a consistent paycheck is the time that I had to sacrifice with my family. And there were, you know, not being able to be home and cook dinner, not being home when the kids come home from school, not being home when my husband comes home from work because I'm outside, I'm grinding. So that was probably the biggest thing that I had to sacrifice. Makes sense. So ready to move on to the next question? Okay. All right. What made you, uh, what? What kind of forced your hand yeah. into being a become, uh, becoming an entrepreneur? What, what really made you ultimately decide, you know what, this is the route that I need to take? Yeah. Yeah, so when I was in cosmetology school, um, which actually the anniversary, the 27th anniversary of graduating cosmeco cosmetology school just passed for me on the 31st of July, so I've been really reflecting on this a lot. Um, when I was in cosmetology school, one of the things that I had to do to graduate was I had to write a business plan to own my own salon. So the entire time that I've been licensed, I've always had a business plan to be my own boss, right? So that's always kind of been in the back of my mind. Um, what forced my hand was the place that I was working previous to opening my own salon. I worked there for seven and a half years and I, I came on to that business as a stylist. I was working as a, at a chain salon as a stylist. We had just moved to Indianapolis and pretty quickly I moved into management and then pretty quickly from that I moved to be um, an area manager. So I had 10 salons that I was responsible for literally everything except signing the paychecks. So I was hiring, I was firing, I was opening new salons, I was closing old salons, I was in charge of marketing, I was in charge of everything. And the people that owned the salon, I always said I would never work for um, a company that didn't I always said I would never work for someone who was not a hairstylist because if you're not a hairstylist, you can never understand hairstylist life. But the people that own this company were an um, engineer and a social worker. And once I became their area manager, I just remember thinking either these people are stupid or they're intentionally trying to sabotage me because I can't understand why they're making the decisions that they're making. And neither one of those things makes sense, right? Like, this is your business. You're paying me. So, obviously, you're not stupid because you own a business, right? Right. And you're an engineer. Like, you're not stupid, but, like, why would you try to sabotage me on purpose? But they just were making decisions that weren't making sense. They were stressing me out. I was gaining weight. I was getting... My skin was bad. I was having health problems. All of these things over this company that I didn't even own. Right? right? Like, I'm stressing myself out to send right. your kid to private school, and so y'all can take vacations, right? And so one day, I just had a really particularly bad day at work, and I spent, I'm going to be honest, I spent probably the last, like, three years that I worked for this company, I would literally drive to work in the morning and pray that today would be the day they would fire me, 
so that I could get unemployment and like get my life back together, which is a really miserable existence, (laughs) you know, but a lot of companies will do this. They pay you just enough, right? So you can, so you can't just up and leave because you get addicted to this certain amount of money. I need this certain amount of money to make sure my car payment is paid, to make sure my rent is paid, you know, whatever. Um, So it was easily three years, maybe longer, that I had been praying that they would just fire me. And then that month leading up to when I finally quit, I must have known, I must have subconsciously known that I was going to quit because I had already started meeting with, um, like I had already had a meeting with the guy that ultimately ended up renting me my first space before I ever quit. Um, But I had had a particularly bad day at work. And I was driving home from Fishers, Indiana, back to the west side of Indy. And I called my husband and I said, look, just promise me that you're not going to leave me if I quit my job today. And he was like, I mean, you got to do what you got to do. And so by the time I made it back to the west side of Indy, it was about a 45 minute drive. Um, I talked to him the whole way home, and by the time I made it to the west side of Indy, I stopped at the salon that was on the west side, I dropped off my keys, I dropped off my laptop, I dropped off my phone, and that was that. And that was June 6th of 2011, I think. We just hit our 12-year mark of me being completely self-employed, like never working anywhere, 12 years. I'm really proud of that. That, that, that in itself is a blessing because, you know, a lot of businesses don't even make it past that five-year mark. So the fact yeah. you're already going into double digits and been in double digits, you know what I mean? That, that business is definitely there to stay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm super proud of it. You got anything to add, Bubba? Mm, not really. I mean, like, we're in for being in the I mean, not yet. Not yet. Yeah. Telling you, definitely. Okay, well then, give her the next question then. How do you define success? What does that look like to you? So success for me looks like being able to do what I want to do when I want to be able to do it. So as a for instance, I just bought a house this summer. Congratulations. Thank you. And... (laughs) Prior to buying the house, I had already decided that I've always wanted to be the grandmother that had my grandkids come and stay with me in the summertime. I've always wanted to be that grandmother. So that was already on the books, right? Grandkids are coming this summer. Did not know that I was going to buy a house this summer. That kind of just, I mean, it's not that it just happened. It took some planning, but everything kind of came together at just the right time. So I bought a house. I keep saying nobody told me (laughs) that having grandkids and buying a house and packing and moving and all of that and getting a new kitten, like all of that was a lot. (laughs) It was crazy. But how I defined success in that moment was that I had the ability to be able to go, you know what? I'm not working while my grandkids are here because that was more important getting packed up and moved and settled and being able to spend time and be present and engage with my grandchildren was more important than work. And so for me, success was having the ability to not have to ask anyone's permission to take that time off and to be able to take that time off. And yeah, 
money was a little tight, but I can take that time off and I'm not going to get fired. And we did get to eat every day still. And we, you know, we had what we needed. So for me, that was success. Being able to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it. And nobody can say anything about it. That to me was success. Yeah, you just got to be able to take that to the next step every time. Just level up that success every time and it's going to be even greater for you. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like you said, you, you're not an entrepreneur yet, but you keep taking these small steps towards it is eventually you're going to be to the point where now you're learning and now you're teaching your children. You know what I mean? That's all yes, it is. Sir. Take the steps. Yes, sir. <laughs> so. Yeah, in a perfect world for me, you will never have to work for anybody. In a perfect world, you, you'll be able to get money the way you want to get money. How you want to get money, how much money you want to get. If you want to raise your prices, you raise your prices. I just had a price raise, um, um, a price increase in my business. And... Um, People are congratulating me for raising my prices and telling me good job for raising my prices. For going for the price that you feel like you're worth? Absolutely. (laughs) I love it. That's how it should be. Definitely. Yeah. And if you're not happy for me, you can go somewhere else. Because these prices are still going to be the same. They still going to be the same, baby. You want me to do it. (laughs) I feel that. And I know we were kind of talking about uh, you doing the celebrity appearances, too. How's that been going for you? Like, I know that, like, how you were, uh, so, like, in your Indianapolis location, like, how you pop up and you do, like, hit people's hair every once in a while, how's the celebrity, yeah. like, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I am doing that. I've done that a couple times. I just did it most recently in May. I popped up in Indy, and I get um, requests all the time for it, but, um, you know, for me, I think... When I can tie it in, because I have a grandson that lives in Indianapolis, so when I can tie a visit in to go in to visit my grandson, then it makes sense for me. Um, but outside of that, I don't know that that's, that's something that I thought that I wanted to do. And now that I've been in Georgia for a couple of years, I'm like, eh, I can take it or leave it. Um But I do appreciate that I can do that, right? And tie it in with, I want to go see my baby. I'm going to go do that. And I can write this trip off as a tax write-off because I'm going to work while I'm there. So, and he, that grandson, he liked to spend money. So, you know, he need Donald's. He need him some McDonald's so I can work while I'm there and get this money so I can afford to buy him all the chicken nuggets he wants. You know, and it's a tax write-off. But for me, so I do still enjoy that, um, but not as much as I, you, you know, I'm getting old. Granny tired. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Not, not, no. What? What you got to say about that? Granny, not, you don't feel like Granny getting old? Granny want to no. chill. Not too old, but she want to chill. She yeah. Like, take cruises now at this point. For real, Isn't for real. You said that in everybody? Yeah. <laughs> don't want to take cruises are you human i don't know let me tell you i went on a couple of cruises and i might go on one more but in hindsight i realized that cruises are really exploitive for the workers we'll talk about that offline Hmm. um so when i go i like to go with a stack of ones so I can just pass out money. I like to make it rain on the workers. They Cruise workers are some of the hardest working people I've ever seen in my life. 
and, and they're severely underpaid? Um, in relation to the amount of work they do, I believe so. You know, if you ask, especially Americans, they're like, oh, but in their countries, they don't really make that much money. So that $20, blah, blah, blah. But come on, man. Like they came here for more opportunity not to be exploited by us like they was being exploited. Period. Period. <laughs> I don't like that. I don't yeah, like that. So I don't, it, I've been on a couple of cruises. I'll probably go on one more because um, the one that Damon and I went on together, like somebody committed suicide, like literally jumped off the ship into the ocean. Yes, it was bad. It was bad. It was just not a great experience. So I would go on one more with him so that he can enjoy it in the way it's supposed to be enjoyed. But then I'll probably never go on a cruise again. I'll just fly straight to the island. Can I go with you? He's like, take me with you. I yes. will. Ta- I will definitely take you on a on a on a trip to somebody's island one day, sooner than later. Sooner than later. He's been uh, he's been talking about Dubai. He's like, we're gonna have to go see that because I've shown. Now listen, <laughs> I can't afford Dubai. You got to talk to Omar if you want to go to Dubai now. <laughs> Omar. Yeah. Omar to wants to go to Dubai, so you need to holler at her. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're trying to go everywhere. Middle East, definitely the Africa trips. We absolutely happen very soon. Absolutely. There's a lot of travel in the in the near sooner future. than later. <laughs> Sooner than later. So, what you what you thinking about? Yeah, now you thinking about. You thinking about Dubai? (laughs) (laughs) What else? What other questions you got over there for me? Yeah, yeah, I was just about to ask. Uh, Are you ready for your next question? (laughs) Yes, sir. Hi. How did you start your business? What, what steps did you have to go through and you were like, okay, so I need to I need to plan this, this, and this, and this is going to make sure ultimately that, you know, the idea that you have came to fruition. Yeah. So the first first thing you should know as an entrepreneur is there no, there's no guarantees. So you're definitely just going out on a limb and a prayer. Now, I will say, for me, the thing that I thought before I did it was, what's the worst thing that could happen? And the worst thing that could happen is that I had to go and apply for work at another salon. That's worst case scenario. I have to go and work in another salon. Hey. And I had been doing that up to that point. So, like, that's not really that difficult in the grand scheme of things, right? So um, I definitely went and met with, um, well, like I said, going into it, I already had my business plan that I had made when I was in beauty school in the 90s, 1996, I think I wrote this business plan. So obviously I had to go in and like tweak some things. Um, And then I opened a salon. I'm already in the salon business. I'm in salons every day. So as leading up to the day that I actually quit my job, I'm literally, now I'm going in the salon with a new set of eyeballs. I'm looking around like, okay, what do I need to make a salon business work, right? So from the moment I open that door, I'm looking around like, okay, there's lighting, there's chairs, there's a front desk, there's a phone. You know, I'm like literally dissecting this business down to the studs in the walls on what do I need to make that work? And I'm writing it down. This is what I need because I need a price for all of these things. How much does all of these things cost? 
Um, then I started for the things that I didn't know how much they cost. Obviously, I went on the internet and I looked, or I made phone calls and I asked. Um, when it came to like licensing and things like that, I called the set the your Secretary of State is going to be one of your biggest resources, and it's free. And I always say when you're calling and you're talking to people that work for the government, the kinder you are, the more helpful they'll be, right? If you're, because they're going to get paid regardless. They don't care if they help you or not, right? <laughs> like, either way, my paycheck going to be the same. So when you call a government office, make sure that you're kind and respectful. I always use yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir please, thank you, you know what I mean, when I'm talking to the to any government worker, because working for the government got to be hell, right? Um, so, but the Secretary <laughs> of State is always going to be a huge, no matter what business you're in, whether it's the salon industry like me, or any other industry, your Secretary of State's office is going to be a really big resource, and it's free. Just be kind when you talk to them. Um so, but now I'm calling my Secretary of State and I'm asking, asking about licensing and I'm calling the um, Illinois um, Cosmetology Board because I was, or Indiana Cosmetology Board because that's where I opened my initial business. Um, fun fact, I actually looked into opening uh, my first salon in Illinois. Hmm. Financially, I couldn't do it though because my kids were too little and we just had too much going on and I just didn't need that I didn't want that kind of uncertainty when my kids were that young. So by the time I opened my first business, my kids were much older, so I felt like they could understand a little better. Um, so I contacted my secretary of state. I contacted um, my state board, license board of cosmetology. I'm sorry, tell me the question again, because I done started rambling and I done forgot what I'm trying to answer. <laughs> no, you're good, you're good. It's, uh, so how did you basically create, or how did you start the business? How is it that it came to fruition okay. from just an idea? Gotcha. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, so that, right. So I did those things and then I contacted, I was trying to find a place Right, because in the salon business, location is most important over everything, is how convenient is it for people to get to. So I found a place. Um, the guy that owned the place was, he owned a bunch of different businesses in Indiana, and I went and met with him. And again, just being polite and respectful and professional, so he felt like he could trust me, right? Um, but ultimately, they just want to know, do you have the money? Yes or no? <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> um, and so I think when I did the math, it was going to take me like a total of $30,000 to get started. Um, and so I had a little bit of savings. Uh, my husband rated his 401k for me. And then I had family members, you know, whether it was $50 $2,000. I think somebody loaned me like $15,000. Um, but, you know, we just kind of pieced it together. And it's funny to me when I look back at photos of my original business, what it looked like when I opened versus what it looked like when I closed, how different it was. Because, of course, in the beginning, those first three to five years, you're reinvesting your money back into yourself. So you're not really making any money. Um so I look at 
photos of the business when I opened it versus when I closed it, it looks totally different because I remodeled the inside. But yeah, it was just a bunch of like piecing money together and like having a plan in place. So when I got the money that I needed that we all pieced together, I was able to go, okay, I'm spending, you know, $3 on cotton balls and I'm spending $75 per chair on these salon chairs and I need five chairs and you know what I mean? This is how much I need for the plumber and this is how much I need for the electrician. And I knew I already had a plan in place so that when I finally got all of the money together at one time, then it was just a matter of going down the list. Boom, boom, boom. So I quit my job on June 6th of 2011. And on June 23rd, my business opened for business. Mm. That's how prepared I was. Right. And I, I just know the backstory. You already had like uh, some clients coming over from, you know, where you were already at that just loved your business and the way that you conducted uh, your customer service and everything. So they were just more than happy to, to follow you into your journey. You know what I mean? Well, so here's what's crazy. I had actually signed a non-compete agreement with my previous salon. And a non-compete agreement means that I can't compete with them. So I can't tell anybody where I'm going. I can't tell the stylists where I'm going. I can't tell my customers where I'm going. And remember, I was an area manager, so I didn't even really have customers, right? Because I might be working in Bloomington, Indiana one way, and I'm in Noblesville, Indiana the next, and I'm in Broad Ripple the next day, and I'm in, you know what I mean? So I didn't even really have a, a regular clientele. Um, so I opened my business with zero clients, really. Oh. Um, but some people did find me accidentally. Nobody, nobody found me because they were, they knew where I was. But a okay. couple of people did find me accidentally, and there were a couple of stylists who worked at the West Washington Street Salon that were kind enough to let people know where I was. <laughs> that comes with doing good business, right? <laughs> but no, I also I wanted to speak on something that was very powerful that you spoke on earlier. That was basically how you went into that salon after you after you knew you were trying to get your own business you went into that salon with what you worded as different eyeballs you weren't looking at it as a salon that you were going in there to get your hair cut or you were going in there to cut anybody else's anybody else's hair you were looking at it as this is a business and now i need to break it down so that i know how to run my business and that really goes into to anything is really reverse engineering it and just being like okay this is what I'm trying to accomplish. What does it exactly take for this person to do it? And how can I emulate that? How can I copy that? Yeah. No, that's facts. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, the people, 99.9% of the time, the people that are making the business run are not the same, same people that put the money up for the business, right? Um, and so when you look at, like, Amazon as an example... This is a global empire, um, but there's thousands, hundreds of thousands of workers that go into Amazon every day to make that work. If somebody had um, the audacity to go in there, especially if they're in a supervisory position, had the audacity to look at that network with different eyeballs um, to see how that network works, they could easily compete with Amazon, right? Because um, we look at this as this, this big thing and like we could never, but we could and we should. 
but it's a matter of looking at it as someone who wants to um someone who wants to compete like i'm not you know there's enough out here for everybody one of the biggest myths in on earth is that there's not enough out here for there's enough out here for everybody so it's a matter of having the audacity to believe that you can do it and then having um the stick-to-itiveness to actually do it right no. and it's hard when you to be consistent when you're not making any money but you have to just keep being consistent anyway and knowing that the money will come if you're doing something that you're passionate about the money will come um but you being consistent in spite of it. Not like watering a tree like yes in the- the first beginning parts of the years you're gonna have to water it and take care of it and all that but then once it grows up and it becomes you know it's and it's starting to become its treeness now it's taking care of itself and you know it's kind of uh just running on its own you know i don't want to get into the technical terms but no, that's super deep once it comes <laughs> no. into its treeness and it provides right. shade and comfort exactly. and fruit right exactly. Exactly. But you have to, in the meantime, you just have to be consistent that this little bitty little plant is one day going to provide you shade and fruit. Exactly. Yeah. So you have to be consistent even when it seems that nothing is going to come out of it, knowing that it will. Absolutely. Definitely. I was also seeing something else. It was like uh, jobs. And I, I had to like kind of step back to see the perspective that it was given, but it was saying that jobs actually prepare you to become your own boss if you look at it from that perspective because it's consistent you're going somewhere you're sitting there for eight hours a day or however long you're there and you're putting consistent focus and energy into one thing you know what i mean and so it's like it's giving you all of the tools to be able to actually go out and do something on your own it's just like you said people get complacent they get comfortable with that absolutely just enough but yeah i definitely i definitely see that Absolutely. And that was one of the things for me that was like the turning point is I remember looking around one day and being like, if I can run 10 salons, certainly I can run one. Right. And I remember people always saying like, oh, when you're an entrepreneur, you're going to work harder than you've ever worked. You're going to be working seven hours a day, 24, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Well, I'm already working 24 hours a day, seven days a week. (laughs) like I'm literally already working like between 60 and 80 hours a week give or take I'm already working that 80 hours and I was like man when they gonna let mom come home (laughs) (laughs) like prison this place is a prison (laughs) so I'm already working that so if I can do that but for myself and the benefit of my family, then I want to do that. Where do I sign up for that? Right. And so I remember early in thinking that I was doing something wrong because all of a sudden I had days off. I hadn't had days off in seven years. What do you mean a day off? Right. And like feeling guilty about having time off because I was so used to working seven days a week all day long. You know what I mean? And that's insanity. Nobody should be doing that. And, you know, to this day, I have a lot of health problems and I, to this day, I 100% believe that the health problems that I have today were from what I gave to that company during that time. 
stress that built up and yeah, just everything that comes with yeah. working yeah. 78 hour weeks. Like, yeah, your body's not meant to do that. Mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah. You ready? What? Next oh, question. Find them ready. What is generational wealth you and what are some steps you have? Get more into the mic. What is generational wealth to you and what are some steps you are taking to obtain? What is general wealth? generational wealth and what was the second part of the question what are some steps you are taking to obtain it okay um so when i think of generational wealth i think of things that can be passed down to your to the next generation right um so when i think of people like elon musk who owns tesla and owns spacex and just turn Twitter into X. Um, Elon Musk is a beneficiary of generational wealth. His father had money, right? And so he personally is an idiot, but he has enough money that he can do idiot things and he has money to burn, right? Um, Generational wealth means that my kids and my grandkids and my grandkids' grandkids won't have to experience the things that I experienced, won't have to experience the things that my grandmother and great-grandmother, you know, it's just different. Um, And for me, for me, wealth is literally just me being able to do what I want to do. Like, I don't have an issue with working hard but I want to work hard on the things that I want to work hard on. I don't want somebody telling me what I should be working hard at. Right. And you want to take a break when you want to take a break. You know yeah, what I mean? like I'm tired. <laughs> I'm about to go take a nap <laughs> and better not nobody to say nothing about it. Right. For sure. Um, so that's what generate generational wealth is to me is being able to pass down the ability to do what you want to do when you want to do it. And of course the expectation is, that you're contributing in a positive way to the, to society and pushing society forward, right? Like, I don't want future generations, if what my future generations want to do is a detriment to society, I don't, I don't want that. I don't, you know, I don't support that. That makes sense. Um, so that's what it is to me. My future generations being able to operate in the way that they see fit knowing that the way they see fit is hopefully in a way that's beneficial to society that's number one and then what was the second part of the question again i'm sorry <laughs> uh just steps you're taking to obtain generational steps wealth I'm taking to obtain right oh so um the steps i'm taking to obtain actually the very first one so we finally just bought our first home um, and to me, that's a, a part of generational wealth, right? This how ho- this home will be here when I'm long gone, and so it'll be up to my children and my get- grandchildren to make this work for them in the way that makes sense. So, like, um, we just sold a home in Illinois so that we could buy this home, and if that makes so, when I talk about in a way that makes sense, I mean that. 
if it doesn't make sense for you to own this home to be a benefit to your family down the line, you at least have the ability, you own this home. So you have the ability to own it and use it as a business venture. You have the ability to own it and sell it so that you can use it to benefit yourself down the line, you know, whatever. So for me, um, it's always been a dream for me to own a home and specifically to own a home so that I have something to leave for my children so that they can do whatever it is that they want to do, right? So that was, that's the number one step. And then of course I own my business. Um, I've owned this business, the, the name Trims on a Whim, that's the name of my business because I'm not sure that we said that, is trademarked um, and copywritten. And I'll make sure that that um, always remains so, so that when I'm not here, again, my children can decide what they want to do with this business, whether they want to hold it and, and grow it and reap the benefits of it, or whether they want to sell it and use those profits for whatever their choices will be. So, um, yeah, those are the steps I've taken thus far. And for me, everything that I do, and I imagine it's this way with all parents, everything I do is what is going to be left here when I'm gone. What is my legacy going to be? Um, what, how can this, <laughs> you're so funny, Isaiah, <laughs> but it's all about it. For me, it's all about what's, what's going to be here when I'm gone and how can I still be a blessing to generations that come after me when I'm no longer here? Did that answer your question? Yeah, definitely. What was your question, Isaiah? How are you going to work that hard and then let your children sell the business? Well, I'm going to be dead, so. <laughs> sell it. Like... I mean, but if it makes sense for them, like for me, if one of them got licensed in cosmetology or barbering, then I would be more offended if they choose to sell. But I mean, I don't, for me, it's not about control over how they use it for me. It's about using it in a way that pushes our family legacy forward. So if you, if we end up with a, um, you know, you and I talked about um, potential, you know, as an example, we talked about that if you decided that you wanted to become a barber or a cosmetologist, that after you graduate high school, that you could move to Georgia and get an apprenticeship license, right? And so if you wanted to take an interest in that and learn the way that this business works and learn how to run this business, I would absolutely teach it to you without a doubt. But if it's not something that you're interested in, that's okay too. I want you to do the things that are interesting to you and that inspire you. You know what I mean? It makes sense. Yeah. So I wouldn't care if you sold it. I'm not even here anymore. I'm going to be somewhere on a beach sipping a margarita <laughs> in paradise <laughs> and it's more or less like what granny was talking about it's you don't want you don't really want to push your narrative we talked about that a little bit on a uh, lead by example didn't we you don't really want to push your narrative onto your children you want them to be able to pursue the things that they like right so yes. we're not really interested in, in hair and stuff like that. She don't want to push us into being interested in hair. She just wants us to get, get a vehicle to be able to help elevate what it is that, you know, we are interested in. Yes. That's more or and less what it, it's 
Absolutely. And then in whatever way that my business is able to help push that even better. Absolutely. Because, you know, I don't know everything. I'm clear about that. The older you get, the more you realize, the less you know. They say, we'll see. I haven't got to the why stage yet. <laughs> but what I do know is that I don't know much. Um, but what I do know is that the world is changing and it's changing very quickly and that I trust my future generations to know what's needed to push us forward. You got this, Boogie. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what the wisdom is. Wisdom is just the knowledge of life. You know what I mean? That's what I feel like it is. It's not really about like you having knowledge of what's around you or whatever the case may be. It's more the knowledge of you navigating through life. That's how you gain wisdom. So I feel like you're very wise, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take that. Okay. What you is the what? next question? You, you, you gonna take that? What is, what is the question? <laughs> Do you think it was worth it to go into work for yourself? Absolutely. I would 100% do it again and again and again and again and again. And even though, like I said, especially in the beginning, um, but even most recently, I just moved from one state to another. So I had to start over all over again. Like I had to start from scratch all over again. Um, but at this stage, I'm at a stage where I would literally rather die <laughs> than did it, work. Did you really feel like you were starting from scratch? Like, Absolutely. I mean, I mean, of course you had to like get your, your clientele and stuff up again, but you also had that knowledge carried over from the first business to, you know, bring down to the second one. So do you feel like you really had to start from scratch or does it, does it feel like you just had to re-piece everything back together and put the, like the puzzle back together type? So maybe it was that, but like for me, all of my income depends on clients coming to me and getting their hair done. Well, 90% 90% of my income depends on people coming in and getting their hair done, right? So in that respect, yes, I was starting from scratch. Um, but I'm blessed that I do have, at this point, over 20 years um, of knowledge in this industry. So I get to build on that rather than having to learn everything all over again. So in that respect, yes, I'm just building on something new. But, you know, I moved from the Midwest to the South, and the South is a whole different vibe, right? Like, the way that people interact and react with each other in the South is different than the way that people interact and react to each other anywhere else on earth and not only that I mean race is a factor everywhere but especially in the south I'm in confederate country and a large part of my clientele are not brown like me um so you know you have that added context um so did I feel like I was starting from ground zero no in terms of what I know that it takes to build a business but in terms of getting people to give me money in exchange for the service that I offer, yes, I was starting from scratch again. So, but I'm doing all right. Like I said, I just took two weeks off work and didn't have to eat ramen noodles not one time if I didn't want to. So, that's a blessing. 
Definitely. We did eat them a couple times, but that's just because they fine. Yeah, they did be fine. We have some, like, so I forget what they're called, but they're, like, you know, they're expensive tech. Like, for ramen, <laughs> they're expensive. They're, like, uh, some Asian noodles or whatever. So yes. it comes in, like, it's a circular patty instead of yes. the square. And then it's like got vegetables and stuff in yes. it. It's like, really good. Oh my god, they're so man, good. Man, chop some green onions in them things. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're so good. with a little boiled egg or something. Man, listen. Fine. <laughs> telling you. That's how you get that uh that Gordon Ramsay ramen noodles. <laughs> Whatever it is. Uh. You don't like boiled egg? What? This is new to me. Yeah, new to me. Yeah. I did not know that about you. Not even <laughs> in ramen? Because at least in ramen, they're juicy. I know boiled eggs can sometimes be a little dry, but if you drop them in some ramen, they're juicy. Yeah, they're great. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. But yeah, now in the ramen, you drop the egg straight into the into the water. Bussing. <laughs> Bust it. Are you boiling in the ramen water? Yeah, but you drop, you like crack the egg into it. You don't like boil the egg. You crack the egg into it. So oh, it's God. really, it's not a boiled egg. It's a, um. It's poached, what is isn't it? it? Poached, yes. Five. Yeah. Five. <laughs> <laughs> like but, oh, you did. I appreciate you, though. <laughs> Let's, uh, let's get Granny wrapped up so you can go ahead and get your food then. We've been talking about this food for the past. <laughs> Start, that kid problems. <laughs> what I'm motivates What motivates me? Yeah. Um, so at this stage, I have two motivations. My legacy and my ability to retire on somebody's beach. Those are the two things that motivate me today. So whenever I get up and I go to work or, you know, now I finally have my office together. Um, when I go into my office to work, I'm motiva- motivated by what is my legacy going to be? What is, how is the world going to remember me? And my world is going to, re- the world is going to remember me through the actions of the people that come after me, right? The people that I've touched. So that. And I'm not trying to work until I'm, I think they just raised the retirement age to like 72. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> I'm tired. Any time. It's longer than the, uh, longer than the, um, what is it? How long people supposed to live in America now at this point? Right. Ain't nobody got time for that. I'm trying to retire <laughs> and lay on somebody's beach and sip my margaritas and work on my enhancing my melanin. So those two things motivate me every day right now. I'm telling you, I'm gonna be on one too. I don't really like the ocean like that. Like I like, I like the beach, but I don't really like to play in the ocean like that. I'm kind of scared. That's crazy to me. No, I don't want to. No, I don't really want to play in the ocean. Like not too far. They're gonna get up to my knees, maybe on a good day. And even when I was living in Florida, like I go like up to my stomach a little bit because I can see into the water, but. I can't see nothing, man. I ain't trying to be in there. But what you gonna do if you can see the shark coming to get your ass, though? Hey, it's way better than me not being able to see it. I'm <laughs> Don't panic. 
and don't have any life on That's literally all it is. Oh, yeah. If you That's get it, it, it's attracted to you. Alright, well, no, but I just like to lay next to the water more than I like to actually be in the water. I just like to, you know, the sun is reflecting off of it, getting my brown just right. I like all that. Definitely, I'm going to have me some fruity drinks sitting in a beach chair laid on a towel. And a pineapple. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, that's that's all great, you know, and that's great content. Um, Definitely definitely appreciate you know you coming through this, yes. this was humbling yet very like informative like first interview so I'm glad that we did this as the, the first interview yes. I'm, I'm so grateful that you guys asked and I'm grateful to be able to help you know anything you need um, if I'm able to you know I will I can't always everything but if I'm able to you know I will and certainly anything knowledge-wise, shoot me a text, give me a call, whatever. I got you. <laughs> this dude over here, he got hands in his pants. He's trying to get these uh, ramen noodles picked up. Yeah, so. he on his fat kid steez. I know. <laughs> All right, y'all. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Hit your uh, hit your, your, your tags in there one more time, Auntie Head Coach. Let them know where they can find you at. Um, oh yeah so if you're a stylist and you are looking to level up um, your business I help stylists discover your unique brand and use it to disrupt the industry at Auntie Hair Coach on IG and on threads and if you are a client and you're looking to have your hair done you can find me at Auntie Hair Fairy and you can also look at my website www.tasha-davis.com Nice, nice. Appreciate you. Don't forget, you can follow Isaiah at Zaytoven Travel 6913, as well as the Journey of the Podcast at G Wealth Forever. Until next time. Peace. Peace. But, 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 wait, that's my line, homie. That's <laughs> uh, his line. All right, y'all. Love forever. Be easy. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> All right, you got it shut off.